We're going to be in Acts chapter 7 today. We're looking at verses 54 through 60, and I'm going to ask if you would now to stand for the reading of God's word if you're able, and follow along with me as I read this text for us from God's word. Acts 7, 54 says this, Now, when they heard these things, they were enraged, and they ground their teeth at him. But he, that is Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God, and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened, and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice, and they stopped their ears, and they rushed together at him. Then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. This is the word of God. Thanks be to him. Let's pray. Father, I ask and pray that the words of my mouth this morning and the meditations of all of our hearts in here would be pleasing in your sight. We ask it and pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks for standing. Go ahead and be seated. I should have introduced that text a little bit better. I know it kind of picks up right in the middle of the narrative. What had happened is they were describing Stephen, one of the earliest deacons of the church who had just given a powerful proclamation of the gospel of Jesus. But what we read is the end of that, the reaction to that, which kind of makes this text today that we're looking at different than what we've looked at so far in this sermon series on evangelism that we've done. Up to now, we've really focused in the book of Acts on the places that you see the proclamation of the gospel, and we've observed how the early church did that so we can learn and grow in our own abilities of sharing our faith. But today, we're looking at the aftermath of when Stephen shared the gospel, and not only did people not receive it well, they reacted passionately and violently. And as you saw in the text, they ended up killing Stephen. He's the first Christian martyr. I, I chose this text today. It's actually Pastor Brian inspired it last week in his, in his sermon because he mentioned this. And he, he did so in the context of reminding us that for all the talk we've done on evangelism so far, we, we've learned a lot of awesome things by observing how the early church shared their faith. And yet we might have inadvertently created kind of this rosy picture of what it always looks like when you share the gospel with others. You know, you listen well, you find common ground, you look for what God's been up to in their life. And, and perhaps the impression we've given is that that always results in this very calm, civil, respectful conversation and interaction. Where everybody goes their own, the way they tip their cap. Thank you for sharing that with me. That's not always how it goes down, is it? And if you've been serious about sharing your faith for any time at all, you know that many occasions yield not so much the friendly, casual conversation, but they yield something like this. Maybe not the murderous scene here, but things like they were enraged. They 
they, they stopped their ears and they shouted over Stephen. You've seen maybe on one end of the spectrum, maybe a reaction that looks like just apathy and disinterest. But then on the other end of the spectrum, maybe you've experienced times where people respond with mockery, with trying to humiliate you. They respond with aggression and passion. This text is a powerful reminder that when we share the gospel, it is not this neutral conversation like talking about the weather. Nobody reacts to the gospel in the same way that like, hey, isn't it a beautiful day outside today? No, it is way more charged than that. And many times, in fact, maybe more often than not, people can hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and react quite viscerally and passionately. Let's uh, take a, a close look at the text real quick. I want you to see a few things. I've mentioned it a little bit already. After Stephen concludes this presentation in the gospel, verse 54 says, Now when they heard these things, they were enraged. They ground their teeth at him. Teeth-grinding anger. And then... Stephen speaks a little bit more and in verse 57 it says, but they cried out with a loud voice. That is, they're trying to drown him out. They're trying to talk over him. They don't want his words to be audible at all. And then, this is the detail that just is crazy to me. They stopped their ears, which is probably metaphorical that they internally, you know, weren't listening. But I just, I had this picture of what I used to do when I was a little kid and my sister was teasing me. I'd stick my fingers in my ear. I can't hear you. I can't hear you. That is how powerfully they reacted to what Stephen was saying. Again, it's not a neutral thing. They're hearing the truth of the gospel and they can't stand it. And they rush at him with all their might to shut it down. And, and, and I want to say this too, before we move on from this. You could be saying, well, perhaps Stephen didn't share the gospel very well. And that's the issue. That's why they reacted so badly. But that would not be the case at all. And if we had the time today, we could have read earlier in the chapter all about how Stephen presented the faith to this group of people. And what we would have seen is that he did many of the same things we've been talking about in prior weeks, and he did it well. Last week, Pastor Brian told us about finding common ground with our conversation partners. Stephen did that. He spends paragraphs talking about the things that they shared, the, the common faith of their uh, patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He spends time looking for the ways that God had already been moving in their lives. He, he thinks about what's right with their thinking, not just what's wrong with their thinking. He does all of those things, and yet they still react so passionately, which tells us that we could go. Th- these last few weeks, we've talked about prayer and, and trusting the Lord to soften people's hearts. We have talked about Uh, looking for the ways in which God is already sort of moving in people's lives. We've talked about finding common ground, like I mentioned what Brian did last week. Uh, We've talked about listening and trying to understand people well. We can do all of those things perfectly. I would argue Stephen did much of it perfectly and still have people react in the way that we saw in this text. 
Why? Well, the big overarching reason for why is something we talked about often when we went through our sermon series on the book of Romans. Human beings are fallen and sinful and broken. And because we're fallen and sinful and broken, we, and this is the language of Romans 1, we suppress the truth when we're encountered with it. We don't want to hear it. We don't acknowledge it. In fact, we try to reject it and suppress it as much as we can. But what happens is that sort of big overarching reason about our hard-heartedness and our willingness to suppress the truth, it, it manifests itself in different ways depending on what culture or moment in time that we're in. So for this group that was so upset at Stephen, the way that their hard-heartedness manifested itself was by them being upset that Stephen had the audacity to suggest that they had missed the Messiah and that they didn't even understand their own scriptures. The law and the prophets, he says, you guys just totally neglected. How dare he say that? So that's the particular way that their hard-heartedness manifests itself. But in our culture, in the year 2023, in Paradise, California, it manifests itself in some different ways. Just think for a second. What, what are ways that you've seen people just viscerally react to the gospel, to reject it? Their hard-heartedness comes out. In our culture, where do we see that? How? One of it, excuse me, that's not really right there. One of the ways is just the, the claim of authority in general. That we would be able to say that this is God's word, that it is a binding rule of life and faith. How about the audacity of saying that there is such a thing as objective truth and that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. People grind their teeth sometimes when they hear that. That is a hateful thing to say. And even though we're sharing it as the good news of the gospel, it brushes up against our cultural idols. People get mad. Or how about this? The fact that the Bible, which we say is the truth, describes things like sexuality or marriage or what it means to be human in ways that much of our culture thinks is archaic and outdated and wrong. Lastly, I'll just mention the fact that, well, and this is more of a personal example to me, I feel like the most upset anybody's ever gotten with me as I've tried to share the gospel with them, the thing that upset them was the fact that they had known so many Christians who were just flat-out hypocrites in their words. And the fact that the church, the church of Jesus Christ, through her history, has many places and times where she's not followed Christ. That's what made them mad. My point here is not to go through each of these examples and try to defend them or give an apologetic for them. My point is just to merely point out to you guys that there are a myriad of different ways in which the hard-heartedness of human beings manifests itself in our culture today. And I guess the point of me saying this in the sermon, and maybe the main point of this little sermon in general, is just to simply acknowledge that. To simply say, be ready for this. 
the message of the gospel, as much as we've talked about the ways to go about it, as much as we've shared examples of times where people have received it and it's changed their life, there are many occasions where you are going to bump up against some of those cultural sort of idols. And the reaction you'll get is this. What should we do when that happens? How should we respond to that? If you're anything like me, your knee-jerk reaction is to get defensive, to get ready for a fight. I don't mean a physical fight, but an argument. Like, oh, I'm going to prove you wrong. And hey, there is something to be said for this. When somebody goes after... The gospel. When somebody goes after your Savior, Jesus Christ, it's personal, isn't it? We're not talking about like, oh, that's a stupid movie that you like or that book isn't very good. They're talking about the core of your identity. They're talking about the Jesus who brought you up out of the mire and mud and set your feet upon a rock. So there's part of me that responds to that in the same way of hearing like a a your mama joke when I was in fifth grade. You don't talk about Lisa Lee like that. So that defensive reaction, there's part of it that I get, I understand. And yet what I'm asking is, should that be our first reaction when somebody gets angry or mad or passionately rejects the gospel? I don't think so. I think actually what our posture and reaction should be, and forgive me, you're you're thinking I'm going to come up with some new novel idea that's going to blow you away. No, I'm going to go back to the basics. And I'm going to say what our reaction should be is the very same things we've been preaching about for a few weeks now. Prayer. Listening to understand. Finding common ground like Brian talked about last week. Seeing what God's already been doing in somebody's life. And I know you're saying, Josh, you said just a second ago that we could do all these things and it doesn't necessarily yield a peaceful conversation. Yeah, that's true. But what I'm saying now is just because the conversation went south and people are angry now, don't abandon the things that we've been talking about. It's not like, well, I tried to listen. I tried to pray, but they got upset. So now I'm going to strap on the boxing gloves. No, don't do that. Remain steadfast in these same things we've been talking about. Be prayerful. If somebody is giving you the business, what if instead of fighting back, you're internally praying, Lord, soften their heart right now. Open their eyes to let them see the truth. Whatever is making them so viscerally angry, meet it with the gospel. Listen in those moments. Pay attention to the things that they're upset about. Find the places where there's common ground for you to step on. It could be that in the moment of their anger, you will see the open door more clearly than you would have in a calm, civil discussion. Don't abandon the things that we've been talking about. Prayer, listening, finding the common ground. Maybe it's in that moment that you're going to see it and that God is going to go to work. And if we had more time today, I would tell you that you see an incredible example of this with a little detail in the story that we read. Stephen is stoned to death by an angry mob, and yet there is a man there watching everybody's coats and egging them on. And his name is Saul of Tarsus, who we'll later know as the Apostle Paul. 
Those open doors can't come in the moment of the most intense, passionate rejection of the gospel. Don't give up on the things we've talked about. Don't just revert to fighting and defending yourself. And that makes me, I promise, this is the last thing I'm going to say today. It makes me want to end here when I think about, you know, don't give up. Don't just strap on the boxing gloves. And here's the the most essential thing about evangelism, the most key thing about sharing our faith. Yeah, it's the thing that we forget most quickly when we feel attacked personally. And it's this. Sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ is about Jesus, not you. It's not about defending yourself. It's not about defending how smart you are or how committed you are. It's not about defending uh, the church, maybe, of that, and saying like, oh, no, the things the church has done aren't so bad. It's not about defending hypocrisy. It's about pointing to Jesus. And yet when we get in the heat of the moment, sometimes we feel personally attacked and our pride wells up. And we think all of a sudden that evangelism is about proving our point. It's not. And in those moments, I wish the church would be better. I wish I would be better at saying, you know, person who's angry at me, you're right. I am a sinner. I am a hypocrite. The church has failed throughout history. You are right. But let me now tell you about the Jesus Christ who gave his life and shed his blood to redeem her, to transform her, and by his grace make her grow and truth and love. I don't have to defend myself. It's not what evangelism is. I have to point to the gospel of Jesus. Like I said, that's the last thing I'm going to say. So let me pray. And we'll finish with one song together. Father, it's a scary prospect to know that when we walk into these gospel conversations that we're We're kicking a hornet's nest a lot of times. We're touching on things that people are passionate about and sometimes passionately offended by. I think of our previous pastor, Tom Savage, who always used to say, the only thing that divides a room is Jesus Christ. Father, please, I pray that you give us courage. I pray that you give us boldness. And I pray that you give us a mind to see what our task is. We've been called to be witnesses to Jesus, not witnesses to ourselves. It says his name that we pray today. In the name of Jesus. Amen.